Well, hello everyone. I'm your host, Cindy Ketzel. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Nine to Thrive HR. In this podcast, we team up with experts to bring you the best in HR, talent management, and business strategy. And you all, we have been so grateful to hear from you, recommendations, suggestions for topics, for speakers, and we want to continue to hear from you. Please send us any recommendations you might have to podcasts at hci.org. You all, I'm going to jump right in because I had the honor and privilege to meet with Lauren Guthrie from VF Corporation. She serves as the global VP of Inclusion, Diversity, and Action, but (laughs) that's not her formal title, but I'm so honored to have her on today. And with that, I wanted Lauren to be able to share with you all our community, her own story about her journey through the VF Corporation, because I really think it's a testament to what we're going to talk about today. So A, welcome Lauren. Thanks, Cindy. So happy to be here. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome. We're so happy to have you. And Lauren, if you don't mind, just enlighten us as you did myself a little bit about your own journey. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks again for having me. Super excited for this conversation. And you got the title right. I'm the VP of Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Action, or IDEA, for VF Corporation. VF is the parent company to 12 incredible global brands like the North Face, Vans, Timberland, Dickies, Smartwool, etc. So I've had the pleasure of serving in a couple of different capacities throughout my six-year career at VF. My background is in merchandising. I've grown up in the business working for some incredible retailers over the past couple of decades. And my job was really to serve as a key advocate for our consumers, to think about what they needed from our brands in terms of product, how we could create immersive consumer experiences that would support engagement with our brands, and really had enjoyed playing that role of the person who got to connect all the pieces around consumer experience. And, you know, like many people, you know, lived through kind of my own trauma in 2020, certainly living through the onset of COVID, the isolation, but also really the social justice pandemic that many of us experienced around the world. And certainly I, as I identify as as a Black woman, were experiencing in this country. Um, You know, I had the privilege while working for the North Face to stand up and lead our first employee resource group in support of cultural and racial diversity. And at that time was serving as an executive sponsor for that group and recognized that many of us couldn't show up to work every day as if it was business as usual. We had family members that were impacted. We were fearful for our community. And it really created an opportunity for me as an advocate to talk about my personal experience you know, how it was challenging for me to fully embody my leadership role and felt like there were others who would benefit from having open dialogue about that Um, and really leveraged my platform as an ERG advocate to create some spaces where associates could storytell about their experience and really be held by the organization um, as many listened 
and developed their perspectives as allies as well. And those activations throughout the summer of 2020 presented me with a really interesting inflection point in my career where I was offered a role to stand up and lead our council to advance racial equity for on behalf of VF and all of our brands and really take a leap of faith that I had, you know, the insight and the passion to create palpable change for our associates. And then through that council also through our consumers and the communities in which we live and work as well. So feel really grateful to have found my place in this work. Um, a few months after stepping into that role, I had the opportunity to take on leadership for our global idea strategy on behalf of VF. And so that's how I found myself in this seat, but really genuinely believe that, you know, all of us have opportunity to take steps each and every day to improve the experience for ourselves, the experience for each other, and feel very lucky to work for a company that has centered purpose and has stepped into a place where we also understand our privilege as an organization and the opportunity for us to use our business in the betterment of our associates and our consumers' lives. A audience community, I told you it would sound so much better coming from Lauren as we listen in. But just I cannot even begin to imagine that personal and professional, well, first the professional support, like I heard you say, you know, people wrapping around and recognizing, you know, we can't just go to work like nothing has happened and that you had people supporting you and surrounding you with that. But on top of that, just that professional piece and how, and this is one of the things you all, when I was reading about the VF Corporation you know, just learning about what they were doing and what this has looked at. And you all, I'll share with you, uh, Lauren shared with me, we did have a chance to talk last week. This is deeply rooted. And she shared some of that with you, but this is deeply rooted. So the fact that during that same time, like you were rising, the organizations providing that support to you all and you are rising and being able to use your voice. So gosh, thank you immensely. Thank you, A, for everything you're doing, but also B, thank you for sharing your journey with us. I think it's, like I said, as I introduced it, I think it's such a testament to what you all are doing in your organization. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So you all, I had so many directions to go here in my conversation with Lauren, and I really could have gone in a lot of different ways, but I'll tell you, and there's a lot of great press out there about what VF Corporation has been doing, but I wanted to read this for you all because it really echoes what Lauren is saying personally and professionally, but really gives you an idea of the foothold of what they're doing. And she mentioned a little bit. Um, about the action that VF is taking. So let me read this to you, and then I'm going to ask her a little bit more about how they mobilize. So we have a vision of what we want to create, a world that is inclusive, diverse, equitable, and accessible across race, ethnicity, ability, gender, sexual orientation, and culture, not only at VF, but also in our communities, our global supply chain, and across the footwear and apparel industry. The only way to build sustainable long-term change is to stay steadfast as we ascend the summit to equity. Ascend the summit to equity. With that, I would love to hear from you all. Can you share with us 
a little bit more about that mobilization to achieve. I sometimes feel like that's the toughest part to get going for some organizations. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I believe it's critical to success is to have a vision of the world that you want to create and a clear understanding of the authentic opportunities for your organization through its mission and impact in the world, certainly through your leaders, but ultimately it requires every single associate to be engaged in the work for it to be self-sustaining. So I have the privilege of building and driving our strategy, but ultimately I'm a shepherd for the work of the organization. And so I think our mobilization started with a really clear call to action from our leadership to communicate their buy-in, to communicate their alignment, to communicate the value that they see in the individual tenets of diversity, inclusion, and equity. And then most importantly, their commitment to action, right? If this work only lives in words, then it's not real in the experiences of our people. And so that rebranding of our function was very intentional. It's not just, you know, moving words on the page, but really elevating our commitment to action and outlining a clear plan on how we intend to do so. So I really do believe the key to mobilization is that visioning, the commitment, and a clear articulation of the steps the organization will take. And I think many people have fear of commitment because they're afraid to make mistakes, but there's no one size fits all playbook to apply. This is work of experimentation. And we have to continue to move forward, be transparent about our successes, but also be transparent about our opportunities to think differently and try again. So we're trying to build an openness within our culture to remove the fear, to hold people in the discomfort of this work and to make it fun and inspirational at the end of the day. You know, we do use kind of a tops down and bottoms up approach to driving this work. So from a top down perspective, as mentioned, that commitment from leadership really, really matters. But we also put our leaders to work through our Global Inclusion, Diversity and Equity Council. It's a way to bring together different perspectives across the business. Um, We're a global matrixed organization, so we need brand perspectives. We want regional perspectives. We want functional perspectives. And ultimately, to leave those meetings with a clear prioritization of our actions and a clear resource model to support those efforts as well. You know, one of the best ways to assess level of investment is through budget allocation. And I'm very lucky to have been empowered, not only with words, but also the means to execute programs on behalf of the organization. So huge part of the work of our global council. Um, And then from a bottoms up perspective, again, is really how we mobilize our associates. And I should say, actually, it's really us establishing the container for associates to mobilize themselves. We've seen tremendous passion in our associates who believe in this work, believe in the power of this work. And so our employee resource group or ERG platform is a way for us to create containers for community, containers for activation, 
And increasingly, you know, we're really prioritizing opportunities for volunteerism. So taking that sense of allyship out into the world beyond, you know, the four walls of our organization to really impact our communities. So by really thinking top down and bottoms up, we're really trying to drive authentic connection at each associate touch point, but also ensure that our associate voices continue to lead us in the right direction continue to provide the guiding light of our efforts. And really that's where the authenticity of the action comes from when we mobilize across the organization. Thank you for walking through that. Like, you know, as I shared, I think that's a challenge as to, okay, so now what, right? We've got a role in our company, so now what? So thank you for walking through. Something that you hit on, and it was early on, a couple of things, a lot of things stood out to me, Lauren. And I think is so powerful for what you all are doing, but it also echoes what we even here at HCI talk about. And that's about having that clarity of that vision. But you also said, and look, as a human being, I struggle with this too. When I write something down, that means it is what it is. And then I'm like, oh gosh. And then that commitment comes in. So I get that on a much larger scale. But making that commitment and being okay that we have to change it or we have to rewrite or we have to uh, move in a different direction or what have you. But I think oftentimes that's what organizations get caught by. You use the word commitment, uh, being afraid a little bit of putting it on paper and putting it out there for the world to see like you all have, but being able to say, this is where we started and oops, we have to kind of dial back a little bit and then this is our new path forward. But what a powerful culture you all are building to really set that as a priority. Yeah, and it takes practice and it is a muscle we're building. I think, you know, this is a place where, again, the tenets of idea are more broad than just bringing more diverse demographics into our organization. I mean, I think to do this work well, it requires tenets of, growth mindset. And we, you know, we embed that within our learning curriculums, Um, you know, certainly in terms of empathy, which helps us build more authentic connections with our consumers, you know, and all of our consumer facing functions. I mean, I think the beauty of this work is that it really improves the quality of our connections and our culture across the business, certainly in terms of belonging, but also the effectiveness of our engagements with each other. So this is very much a work in process for us. And I think it will be, you know, the culture shifting work doesn't happen overnight, but our goal and priority is, you know, through awareness, first and foremost, you know, through education. And then ultimately, you know, we want all of our systems and processes and workplace rituals to support this way of thinking so that it lives outside of my team. It lives outside of our leaders and is really just part of who we are as an organization. Yeah. And you added, and I'm going to come back because I want to talk to you a little bit about the idea council. So I do want to come back to that. But you hit on, and you'd even said this when you were talking about the mobilization piece, and you've continued to use that word authentic, but you just lastly, you said there about the authenticity of connection. And yes, we're doing it in our four walls, but you had mentioned, but we also encourage our employees to go out into the community, right? So now you're building this cosm of 
internal belonging and inclusiveness. And now those same ideas and respect and kindness are now you're mobilizing that even to extend beyond your four walls, which I love that too, all the way down, right? All the way down to that employee level. Exactly. Down and across. Down and and across. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's where the impact comes from, right? You know, if we're just focused on the betterment of our organization, we've missed an opportunity to create change, certainly more broadly, but it's self-reinforcing. You know, we have some great examples from a pipeline development perspective of how we're thinking about that. Um, You know, when we improve opportunity for historically underrepresented folks in certain functions that certainly benefits us but it benefits the industry and again becomes self-reinforcing so our focus on equity is really ultimately about addressing systemic impacts and if we're going to do it for ourselves we might as well do it for a greater impact as well absolutely yeah and it just ties back to that really powerful statement that i had read from that press release So I wanted to touch base on, because again, we're talking about action here. You talked about the Global Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, Action, or IDEA Council. So what's the role of that council in your org or extending beyond those four walls? What does that look like for you all? Yeah, so the role of our council is really to establish our strategic priorities within our idea framework. So we work really diligently with our council leaders individually to work back to their brands, regions, functions, to mine for insights, to mine through data, to understand where their disconnects, whether that's attitudinally in the way that our associates are experiencing our culture or where there's opportunity to further diversify our demographics as well. And so we use them, you know, for insight to bring those needs to the council and to help us define ultimately and prioritize the strategic actions of the idea team. You know, as I said earlier, I'm a shepherd for this strategy. I don't own it. And so by leveraging the council, we're really able to ensure that maybe there's not consensus, but there is alignment around our key priorities. And ultimately that we have champions across the business who can help extend the reach of the idea team. We also use the council to help us prioritize our resource allocations and ultimately to align on the goals that we're cascading to our leaders. So we do have, as part of our goal setting process, a people leadership expectation goal that all of our directors and above are asked to set every year. And within that, we actually have an entire pillar of our people leadership expectations that's dedicated to IDEA. And the reason that we've done it this way is because we believe that to be a successful leader at BF, you have to be able to mine for and celebrate diverse perspectives, that you need to be actively minimizing bias within your ways of working and for that of your team, Um, that you're actively embodying the tenets of our idea platform. It's not separate from, it is part of our leadership persona and identity. And so we use the formality of our goal setting process to drive accountability for our leaders taking actions to advance their own learning, as well as that of their teams as well. So the council is a great way for us to frame those strategies and to continue to get feedback and also ask the question around how can we better support 
the cascade of this work. Um, certainly that's where my team really plays a lead role is the enablement, the empowerment, whether again, through that's investigating our systems and ways of working or whether that's through programming, you know, education and increasingly experiences as well, because we recognize that most of the aha moments are not happening for people in an unconscious bias training. Mm-hmm. It's happening Every in a listening day. session or it's happening in a volunteer event yeah. or it's happening by dissecting to your point yeah. in interaction with a peer. And so how we coach and support our folks in navigating those experiences has become a huge focal point for the team. So am I understanding, because you know I'm a big note taker over here, so I want to make yeah. sure, am I understanding this accurately that I think people leaders, or you said directors and above, um, it's cascading down and in that pillar that each organization or each director or what have you, I may not have the language correct, they're then coming up with that strategy that fits back to, okay. And then they're also able to gather from their teams those what you started at the very beginning about what the council is listening to those mindsets looking at data thinking about perceptions and how do we diversify so they're using those same kind of thoughts actions whatever to put their strategy together am i understanding that accurately absolutely yeah so there's that opportunity to bring insights up from that group but they also are part of our cascade to make the work meaningful because I think I mentioned before, there's no one size that fits all in this work. And so we want to make sure that we're supporting our leaders in thinking about what's meaningful for themselves and what's meaningful for their teams and where the greatest step changes need to happen. Now, with that, we still have organizational priorities, right? And a lot of those have come through our council to advance racial equity. So for example, you know, we do have you know, aspirational goals that we're working towards to actively diversify our workforce like many other organizations. But we also have goals to support mentorship and the expectation of our leaders stepping into mentorship spaces and to actively seeking out relationships where there isn't a shared sense of identity. Um, We're also committing to diverse candidate slates within the United States as our pilot region um, to ensure that we're thinking really critically about how we define fit, how we define best criteria for the role, and really examining our own bias within the talent acquisition process. Um, You know, we've goal set against uh, supplier diversity and spend to ensure that we're voting with our dollar in the same way that our consumer is voting with their dollar. And as we seek to build supplier relationships that we're doing so with a way to break down barriers for entrepreneurship or economic prosperity for historically underrepresented communities. So we do have big organizational goals that we're working towards, but within that, there's space for our leaders to think really diligently about what matters for their organization, where there's authentic opportunities for their brands, and to continue to build knowledge, passion, and advocacy within their immediate organizations as well. It's amazing. And it's far and wide, you know, as you said, down and across. I always forget about the across when it's global, right? Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, So, I'm curious because we had talked about a couple of like these ideas of where action has actually been put into place. And I know we mentioned the diversity by design initiative. So audience, look that up if you're curious. But the other action that we talked about 
which I think came through this process and correct me if I'm wrong, was this powering potential because that really drives down to the retail. I believe those retail employees. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So powering potential, you said it perfectly, is our retail advancement program. But the core tenants that really inspired powering potential started from our data. We have an incredibly racially diverse and ethnically diverse population within our retail organization. But as we looked at where and how our population shifted within corporate, there's a pretty steep drop off as there are in many organizations as you start to look at leadership. And as a family of brands who are eager to serve consumer, there's a recognition that our retail associates are arguably some of our most passionate consumer oriented, right? And brand loyal associates that we have within our organization. So marrying those insights together, we recognize that there was tremendous opportunity for us to support the advancement of historically underrepresented populations by creating a really focused initiative to support the growth and development of our retail organization. And so that's what powering potential means and represents. It's just that, the potential of those individual associates to have greater impact on our business. So the tenets of that program are essentially, it is a, an open call application process for retail associates who are interested in leaning in. And through that process, we interview and select apprentices to actually enter into corporate functions in a cross-brand capacity. So you could be a TNF associate and end up in an apprenticeship with Timberland or vice versa. But basically, it's on-the-job learning and experience supported with mentorship, supported with dedicated learning opportunities to allow those associates exposure to new and different career paths and also to provide the business with exposure to those associates and the perspective that they bring from their experience with our brands. And so our first cohort launched last year and we had 15 apprentices so far, we've hired four into full-time roles, and we're still interviewing three for potential roles as well, and are currently launching our next cohort of apprentices. So increasingly, we're really recognizing the power of on-the-job learning, so creating an avenue for people to lean into their potential, to you know, creating tangible pathways for advancement with all of the right support mechanisms to ensure that folks can be successful. And so outside of those apprentices, we also have created some learning journeys and career stories programming. So even if you're not part of the apprenticeship program, there's more focus on career development and advancement within our retail organization. Yeah. Down and across, down and across. (laughs) It's everywhere. It's everywhere. That's Yeah. It's so awesome. And I would be remiss because you're saying this and it just really reminds me. So Every year, Lean In, along with Mackenzie, always produces a workplace report, Women in the Workplace. And continually, year after year, you know, it does show the underrepresentation, especially of women in color, as you move up the ladder, right? That you start to see a pretty wide shift. And I think that I recently read there's been a slight shift over the years that they've been doing this. But yeah, so what this Powering Potential initiative is doing is really helping to combat 
that <laughs> some of what we see when those reports come out every year. So an applause to you all for really, really taking the bull by the horns and putting that action again, putting that action into place. Yeah. And just, you know, a quick nod to diversity by design as well. You know, it's a similar approach. We don't believe in setting representation targets without being part of the solution, right, for some of the systemic issues that have created barriers. And so for retail, you know, a lot of it is about awareness. Um, Diversity by design is really focused on the recognition that there are very few designers of color across design industries, that number, you know, we've heard reports of anything from three to 5% for black designers in particular. Um, And when you look at, you know, certainly the representation of consumers, it's a pretty large chasm between the two. And so for programs like diversity by design, we're focused on non-traditional design education, helping anyone who has a passion for the design space, recognize that you can have a powerful and lucrative career in this space, working with an incredible partner, Pencil Lewis College of Business and Design, who has specialized in non-traditional, I would say, design education in the footwear space for the past 10, 12 years. And so by doing an open call with them, we were able to fund 30 students receiving online masterclass education from Pencil, and then another 16 students to participate in masterclasses with our brand's design leadership, and ultimately invited five students to do a full year apprenticeship with four of our brands. So they spent three months with Timberland Vans and then another three months with the North Face and Ultra together and ultimately ended up hiring four of those apprentices into full-time roles. And the fifth is coming back for another internship with us this summer. So again, if we recognize the gap, how can we also acknowledge our responsibility in filling it, not just for ourselves, but again, you know, across industry more broadly? And what's come from that initiative is a pretty powerful middle school design education with an organization called Constant Development, where, again, we're recognizing if we want to change the pipeline in a real and sustainable way, we have to start much earlier in the funnel. And middle school is that place where we can change kids' lives. And so this work has been really powerful for me personally to recognize that the impact that we're having does have the potential to change lives and change trajectories of lives just by connecting folks to opportunities. And so we're really committed to doing that through our idea platform. I love it. And, you know, I think going into this conversation, Lauren, you know, what really drove me, um, was what you all were doing on action and you nailed that. So thank you. And, you know, thinking about how is this impacting our individual contributors? How is it impacting our leaders? And you really hit that home. I mean, I think it's so useful for our audience, for our community to hear you know, how do we mobilize, right? And it might be to what we had talked about earlier. It could be just that very beginning of putting that vision on paper, right? Just getting it written down and not being afraid that we might have to adjust or change or what have you, but let's share that vision and, you know, plan to move forward with it. So I cannot thank you enough. You exceeded all expectation, of course, as I knew you would, but just really hitting home on and what you all are doing with your idea council. And then of course, with some of these other initiatives and how you're really making it all happen, not only internally, but out in that community too. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I cannot thank you enough. 
Oh, thank you, Cindy, for the opportunity to tell a bit of our story. And we're still at the beginning of our journey and excited to see further impact we can provide for our associates, our consumers, and our communities. So thanks again for the time. I love it. And yes, I will be following to see uh, where you all end up or keep, Where I shouldn't say end up. That sounds so final. <laughs> where you go. That's right. Yeah. Thank you so much for yeah your time and your talent and your passion and your shepherding, right? Thank you for your action. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. <sighs> You're welcome. All right. Nine to Thrive listeners, it always goes so fast. Um, just that quick reminder, shoot us an email at podcast at hci.org if you do have any ideas or suggestions for topics. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating. Your rating helps other professionals and talent-minded people discover our program. For Nine to Thrive HR and all of us here at HCI, we appreciate you for tuning in. Make it a great day, everyone.